0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from ACAST. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link
1: in the show description to support now. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
2: Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks,
0: underwear, and T-shirts are super soft.
2: Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of Black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, they are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of Black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca.
0: Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support Creative Control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture, and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support Creative Control on Patreon too.
1: To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol today. I'm Bisha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that.
3: There's time to burn.
2: Time to burn. Michael Foerstack is a multi-talented musician, songwriter, producer, and singer based in Montreal, Quebec. Once a member of the band The Wooden Stars, who get together every once in a while still to play some shows, and formerly known by the name Snail House, Foerstack is a prolific, award-winning, and gifted artist with a sharp eye for the human condition and a lovely, romantic way with words and melodies. Feuerstack's latest album is a stirring one called Harmonize the Moon, which officially greets the world on March 19, 2021 via Forward Music Group. Michael returned to this show for a chat about his new album and, and how its songs, which were written prior to any pandemic lockdown, explore notions of time and space. We discussed social media and existentialism, the experience of playing and enjoying live music and going out on tour, his approach to home recording, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash Control and Massey Hall's concert film series live at masseyhall.com where you can stream dozens of 30-minute films for free, including performances by past podcast guests, like Bashabulat, plus in kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton. This is the 601st episode of Creative Control featuring the lovely and talented Michael Feuerstack with your host, me, Vishkana. Hi, Mike. How's it going? Hi, Vish. I'm good. Good. It's nice to chat with you again. First of all, uh, where in the world are you as we're speaking? Well, um, at the moment, I am in my home in Montreal. And how are things in your home in Montreal, both at this moment, but maybe on on a broader scale? How are things going there these days?
0: Well, I think I'm pretty intimate with this space. (laughs) <laughs> seeing as it's my home. Um I've been spending a lot of time actually in this the room that I'm in at the moment which is where I've been making music and recording and writing and stuff like that. Yeah, mostly I just feel really lucky to have a home and that I like my home and that I like being here and um Yeah, it could be a lot worse given the the situation in the world in general.
2: Mhm. Yeah. That's fair. Now you I think uh, when I when I think of you, Mike, uh, late in the morning, just before lunch. That's usually when I think of you. I, I don't know if mm. you knew that, but I'm when I'm yeah. hungry, and I'm, I'm peckish. I'm like, I wonder what Mike is up to. You. Uh, right. When I think, when I I'm think pretty think sure you're
0: you, in a minority with that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> don't mean to creep you out. It's just that's what I. It's my pre-lunch ritual every day. I'm like, oh, we don't even call it lunch. No. It's like it's Mike time, you know. Anyway, oh, I Mike, can assure think-
0: you, there's absolutely nothing creepy about that. <laughs>
2: What I was going to say is I think of you as both a road hog, so to speak, always touring as much as you can. uh, And I also think uh, that you are also, uh, since certainly going solo, if you will, uh, prone to solitary work. So I think of two things. Out in the world, social Mike, knows everybody, Uh, stay-at-home Mike, making his stuff. Uh, Is that a fair assessment to uh, of you on some level, in in terms of a professional assessment, vocational assessment.
0: Yeah, I think so. Actually, I think that both both sides of that equation are are kind of fundamental, you know, and mm-hmm. that neither would exist without the other.
2: Yeah. Yes. So I I broach it in this in such a manner because some of us I think, given the way we work and what we do, uh, we're maybe more mentally prepared for uh, lockdown times, uh, potentially. Now, again, this doesn't quite make sense given that part of the equation, as you call it, is you going out into the world. Have you felt, given what you do and how you do it, did you feel both prepared on some level to deal with what we're all going through, and on the other hand, are you missing the external world and being able to travel and all those things? Which, Which... is one of those two sensations outweighing the other in any way? Like it sounds like you're grateful, but do you, how greatly do you miss being able to leave your home and travel?
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it's not something I've actually had to kind of put a fine point on formally, you know, but yeah, I mean, I definitely miss the camaraderie and the exchange of ideas and the, Actually, physically, you know, uh, moving through space. <laughs> yeah, but um, I think I'm. St- we're still within a period of time that f- feels feel. It still feels okay. Like, mm. you know, obviously there's there's a lot of existential anxiety compounding. For, for everybody right now. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, given given the state of the world and the pandemic and everything like that. But I, f- I feel like I'm still inside of a reasonable amount of time where I can kind of like find ways to make the best of my time alone and dig into sort of study and practice of various things that interest me. Reading, cooking, writing. Uh, those things are all still pretty inspiring and, and um, nourishing to my whatever you know whatever my path is so but as it wears on I think that kind of diminishes I can kind of see the needle going down I start to go a little crazier <laughs> as, yeah. the, as the needle goes gets closer to zero but yeah all of those things are pretty fulfilling still so mm. like I say it could be worse I don't I'm not exactly celebrating but um, I'm making the best of it
2: I, I've kind of in listening to your new album I, I kind of feel like time and space are uh, a particular focus uh, in some of these songs uh, and I thought that was kind of no pun intended timely uh, it's topical yeah. to be ruminating about what time means what are what it means to be a speck floating through time and space and and now that time is, become this almost nebulous (laughs) concept of like, you know, people are like every day. My daughter's like, is it a, is today a day off? No, it is not Saturday. It is not Sunday. It's every day. She's like, is this the day off? No. So there's like a temporality, you know, disruption that has happened. Does time inform these songs in a particular way from your perspective? Like the notions of time, our idea of what time is.
0: It really does. And
2: like that was, that
0: was a big theme, not so much saying anything specific about time, but mulling over the question of time and how it's perceived and what you know the ways in which we f- fill up our time and try to find meaning in our days and stuff like that. Um, and the fact that it's the record was tied into the pandemic and the lockdown situation and all that is just complete luck. I don't know if it's like good or bad luck yet. <laughs> Cause nobody's, nobody's really heard the record, but mm. like it, the, the songs weren't written in response to the, the world's situation. Like ah, they were, okay. over the last couple of years, those songs were being written and developed. And so, in fact, those songs were largely in place and they were kind of the, the vision for how to make that record was quite a different one. I was going to involve a bunch of different musicians and do something kind of live off the floor in a studio with, a. Kind of a large group. It's kind of a folky, quiet album, but I still wanted to have a sort of a panoramic musical scape, right, to, to present the songs. Uh, and so, the only part of the album that that was affected by the pandemic is just the is just the actual like arrangement style and approach to making the record. Because, but the, in terms of the writing, not not so much. So that's so well, kind of an interesting, yeah, twist.
2: There's often this weird prescience in art. Where people make a, a record or write a song about just some concept in their head, uh, yeah. and then some incident occurs in our lives, our collective being, that turns that song into something else. You know, they'd be like, "I wasn't writing about nine eleven. I was writing about a coffee cup." But I can see you reading. Like I get it. You know, like there's stuff like yeah. that that happens. So how do you how do you reconcile the fact that? You wrote these songs prior to the pandemic, uh, but now that, like I say, so much of so much of our days, so many our days are basically like, how are we how are we going to fill this time? You know, we're filling it differently than we used to. So time is always kind of on our minds. How do you reconcile the fact that you were kind of onto something, so to speak, in just contemplating time before everyone else in the world? I, that's not exactly true. I'm sure some <laughs> of us were already. I mean, are these, yeah, that's actually an interesting question. Are these born of conversations you've had, uh, these songs, like, are are they born of conversations you've had with people about time? Like, was this kind of in the, in the zeitgeist, so to speak? Like, were you like, something's up, Mm. something's up with our relationship with time and space and I'm going to write about it. And then uh, now, of course, we're all thinking about it. But at the time that you conceived some of these songs, do you feel like this was in the air already? I don't know. Um,
0: I don't know if I can. I think it's more just kind of my internal uh, monologue mm. yeah, <laughs> um, made outward, you know, like, yeah, I mean, I think definitely it's a bit of a preoccupation and it probably came up in conversation all the time with people. Yeah. But I, d- I don't I don't feel it's the result of a series of discussions or anything like no. that specifically. But, but um, we
2: do, you, you yeah. use the term existential and I feel like when you think about how some of us use social media or what yeah. have you, it feels very like existential exercises. I'm here, I did a thing, I made a thing, it exists. <laughs> and so <laughs> I think you and I are both engaged with social media on that level. You know, here's a photo of yeah. something, this this is meaningful because it's here's an, archi- an artifact of something. So... There's, to me, a subtext with all all of that stuff. Like, why are we taking photos of this stuff? Like, why are we... P- my father-in-law said this to me a few years ago. So you guys all take photos of everything, and then why do you post them? Like, you know, you used to take a photo, yeah. and you just kept it to yourself. Mm-hmm. So I, I, my response was, well, everyone's depressed. And uh, yeah. we, <laughs> uh, I think everyone's depressed, and we take photos to assert our existence. But also, I think, for those of us who feel good on some level within that depression realm, you hope other people are uplifted a little bit by yeah. your, what you've tossed out into the world. Does that resonate with you?
0: Yeah, I think kind of, but I also think like I would, I would actually challenge what you're saying and kind of, it's a little bit the opposite for me personally. Like I didn't used to take that many photos, but now that I have something to do with them, <laughs> I have, a, I have a reason to take photos. You know? The social media like, platforms if you I mean? just had a, Like you if, have the what for? Exa- for example, yeah. yeah, like if I see something, you know, either beautiful or funny or something, I have s- somewhere to put it. Whereas in the past, I mean, I have years and years of hard drives and hard copy images yeah. Yeah. that that I don't ever want to go through. You know, like I don't have time or inclination to actually s- sort through yeah. it. Yeah. You know, I think this we do this we collect this stuff like in, in for some kind of future possible
2: evaluation reevaluation some, some okay occasion yeah. where you, yeah.
0: yeah like some occasion in the future where you actually have time and interest in going through all this junk that you've collected to see if it triggers any memories or makes you feel like the time that you spent all those years ago was worthwhile <laughs> or whatever yeah. it is and i kind of feel i kind of feel that the the social media kind of roots it in at least for images specifically or or even twitter you know with like little thoughts that kind of come into your mind that seem funny or or, uh, insightful in some way. And you just, you know, in the same way you might share them with a friend if you were on a drive or something like that, you yeah. can just put it out into the world and then move on. And I, uh, I kind of prefer that to this sort of cumulative, uh, like note taking and documenting mm. of my life.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. And the instantaneous, the urgency of like, here's a thing, here it is. I move on. Uh, yeah. there's something there's something to do with time there too. Like, my kids just sent me a video they made, and my inclination was to enjoy. Why well, I enjoyed the video, but then I had this impulse to be like, I must share this, and I curbed it. Right. I curbed it. But like, that is a weird. I'm on some sort of leash with the social media, where like it, right. tel- it tells me to do something. It, it's telling me to do stuff, yeah. or I think it's telling me to do stuff, and I, I don't have to do it. But it, I, well, there's, there's
0: an art. There's an art to recognizing like that, which is share either share-worthy or share-appropriate for your Well, own, yes, of course. You know, set of standards or whatever, but I don't I think a lot of people are are actually kind of out, out of touch with what why they would want or not want to share something on social media, but people are just trying things all the time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's um, true. That yeah. that part's true. There is an assertion right. of self, I think on this record uh on some level, like I don't want to uh, I know that these songs are all a part of you, uh, of yeah. course, as an expression. But when I hear like you say, "I used to be a singer," and you're a singer, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I think what is what is being ruminated upon here? What is what is Mike uh, sort of wrestling with, so to speak? Uh, you're in here. Are you? Do you feel like you're in these songs? More than usual, like more than you might be otherwise, or yeah, I actually think so.
0: But I actually, I think yes and no once again. And sorry, my answers are always kind of riding this middle line. I'm sorry about that. (laughs)
2: All of our interviews, all of our interviews Um, are like this. I say a thing, I assert an opinion, you debate me. No one else does this. You say (laughs) "I, I must disagree with you. Most people are polite and they say, well, that's true, and then they they admit that it's not true, but they don't make a point of saying I must take a moment to take exception (laughs) with your tone and combination of words in that particular instance and I say okay here we go let's mix it up here we go yeah no I'm kidding no I'm kidding but I Um, I do appreciate to be honest I look forward to it I like that you're engaged and want to challenge my spur of the moment thoughts and feelings so thank you very much Uh, I always appreciate it but go ahead what were you going to say in relation to comes easily yes
0: (laughs) um (laughs) Um I just think uh you know with that song in particular I sort of like I kind of predicted being asked about it in the future when I made it I see, <laughs> and i didn't you know but i don't I don't really know what to say about it, other than there seems to be this theme of regeneration and rebirth and sort of like a cyclical thing, and I feel like I was kind of there's sort of a tongue in cheek. Way of playing into that idea uh, with your with your own sense of self. Do you know what I mean? I do. So yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, I used to be a singer. Might also be like, I used to identify as a singer. You know, maybe, maybe I identify. Maybe I choose to see myself differently now, or maybe I imagine that other people see me differently now, or something like that. I see. Um, but it's not so much about me personally as the as the subject, or, or you know, as it's not like I've returned to some kind of like confessional singer songwriter situation. There's still narrators, uh, in each of these songs, you know, who are a little bit me and a little bit not me. And I think that's true of a lot of songwriters. You know, they obviously put something of yourself into it, but it's not like a diary in that sense. Right.
2: So does it, is it safe to say you didn't set out to write an album's worth of songs about something per se, or did you, you know, we were talking earlier about time as a potential conceptual framework. Did you go in thinking, I really want to contemplate this idea and create, you know, a body of work that sort of speaks to it. I mean, again, it's fascinating to me in terms, some of these songs, even the titles, you know, you can relax, uh, time to burn, We are call of the tired. Like yeah. these all feel so, so relevant to our current collective sort of daily existences. Like, It's
0: true. Yeah, so, yeah. No, it's a good point. And I think like I, I mean, I part of making, at least with my own songs, part, part of what I'm looking for is a, is like a, a calm or a sense of relaxation. So this is like kind of a pep talk to myself to just like find some space yeah you know? <laughs> and yeah. um and i think that that that's something that other people can use as well so that's i find a little bit of utility in that idea and that's one reason to make something and to share something with other people and it's it's also what i get out of it so
2: yeah i don't know yeah i know you, i know you probably will uh bristle at this notion um oh great bring it on vish yeah well this is what we do we mix it up no it's not that profound even necessarily but Sometimes when I contemplate what I'm doing, I land quietly to myself. If I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I, I think I have a role to play. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's what keeps me going. Like, I feel like this invisible sort of group or collective of people who are sort of relying on me to keep doing things. Uh, so I view the role as having some kind of responsibility, even though at some mm-hmm. points I'm exhausted and I. And I the same way I have existential questions or whatever kinds of questions, just like what the hell am I doing this for? Yeah. Do you view yourself as? I know you again. You will bristle because it, it sounds like I'm leading you into immodesty. But do you view your do you view yourself as having a particular role to play among your colleagues, among your peer group, in not only giving yourself pep talks, but like, you know, and maybe it goes back to what I was saying about sometimes we send these social media volleys out. To yeah. keep our friends afloat do you see yourself as having sort of a role are you coach Mike a little bit <laughs>
0: uh, I definitely don't see myself that way overall I think that like most people I can, I can perform that role when called upon if mm-hmm. you know if somebody actually needs it like you know I, they, like producing an album for example is would be like a an example of playing that role but I also, like you know, I could easily switch into a different role, like uh like you're describing me as being antagonistic to all of your uh <laughs> ideas, for example, you know that's the kind of the opposite role, and I can do that too, so I mean for me, it's all about moderation and writing these lines and and even though there's this theme of kind of relaxation and and like a search for calm within the songs there's also you know I also feel a responsibility to avoid. Uh, a sense of complacency or like to make it too sort of placating you know sure yeah so but yeah so the same goes for my how i see my role you know in society and that's i mean it just like anyone else it's to be like a friend to some people and a sounding board to other people and a mentor to others and you know a brother or a son whatever you know yeah so the answer is yes but also like that's just one one facet of how I see myself and why I would why I make music you know it's like
2: well I do I think I bring it up because you know you mentioned utility roles you can play I guess Um, Mm -hmm. yeah but for sure and for those who don't know I mean I I should just do a roll call right now Uh, Mike how many I know everything's sort of dormant it feels like at the moment but how many kind of current bands are you are you in so to speak, you know, active beyond yourself. Are you currently playing yeah. with other people right now?
0: I mean, really, it's just Bell orchestra that's sort of active these days. Uh, uh, I was uh, quite busy with the Louis for a number of years, but that seems to be kind of on hold for a little while. Yeah. And uh, I work a lot with Camille Delane, a singer-songwriter uh, from here, but, you know, that's like she she has other people that she works with as well, so it's not like a formal... Like membership type of a situation. Yeah. No. I guess my. Um, but but yeah. No. I definitely keep my keep my uh, keep my hands dirty. What's the What's the expression? Anyway, I yes. think it's fingers. In, I, I love fingers, and
2: fingers in different pies is maybe one oh, way yeah. of saying it. But if you have dirty hands, no one wants your dirty yeah. hands in their... I keep my. I, yeah. I keep my hands filthy with pie yes. innards. Yes. Yes. That's exactly yeah. that's what I. Yeah. That's the expression. Thanks. I'm glad we figured yeah. that out. Now. <laughs> The reason I bring this up uh, in this yeah. context is because, a, I think when people people value your talent and your skill, uh, and they ask you to be a part of their projects because of that, and then so there's that utility role thing. But I think also, b, what I've come to know uh, because I've known you for so long, I know you're a good hang. I know you're like a, a, right. a fun guy to hang out with. I always laugh. I think other people have that too. So, mm-hmm. so I think that when I say role. Or whatever, I maybe I I made it maybe feel like or sound like more of a burden, uh, in terms of your public role in life. But I do think in our right. <laughs> in our music community, uh, you yeah. are something of a linchpin. You know, like I say, I think you know everyone, and people respect you uh, as being good, a friendly person, a good person, and also. And by the way, people probably have all sorts of opinions you that I don't even know about. That's just the way things are. But my sense is that people like you and they want you to be a part of their thing because they like you. It's not just because you're uh, a hot shit guitar player or something, you know what I mean? So that's all I'm... Yeah, I mean, that's, a, yeah. that's what I'm... In fact,
0: yeah. so you, you could make a case that it's
2: mostly the floor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not going to make that case. I think you're obviously a very talented <laughs> musician, but I just think that's a... we need People like you are important uh, in this milieu. Um, and, and so we... I would be sad... If you weren't releasing records on your own, I would be sad to think Mike retired. You know what I mean? I think we would. Right. There would be yeah. a, a missing. We, we would miss that, so to speak. You know what I mean? That's so. You have a role, whether you know. I'm going to just take it all back and say, Mike, you have a role, and uh, I. That's great to hear. A, I mean, I'll I'll take it. <laughs> I'll run with that role. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm just I just want to clarify that. Now earlier, you were talking about uh, the time that you've had. To cook, to read, to uh, do other kinds of learning. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I have been asking this question of more than uh, a few guests about you know things they've learned about themselves because they've had no choice uh, really. Like they, we've been given this great gift of time. Uh, some view it as a curse because some people are fighting time, filling it. They don't want time to overwhelm them. Yeah. But have you learned things about yourself uh, that you think are? that have been revelatory for one thing. And then further to that, do you, has, have you learned anything that has shifted you in any meaningful way, uh, already? Um, you know, as we ponder life like this, I guess, or, a, you know, some semblance of this kind of life, have you learned things about yourself?
0: Hmm. Yeah, probably. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's think, let's do an inventory. Yeah. I've l- learned, I've sort of, I think I used to have this idea that I was, that I had a lazy streak and hmm. um, I don't really feel like that's true anymore. Uh, like I I don't think that I've changed that much, but I think I don't, I don't really perceive it that way anymore. Um, I definitely uh, uh, avoid the things I don't feel like doing, but I have a lot of energy to do the things that inspire me. Yeah. I seem to be on a pretty even keel. I'm not getting like weighed down too heavily. By the situation, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's more just a question of like confirming or or um, disproving uh, things that I believed about myself prior <laughs> to the, to this yeah. current phase. You know, um,
2: well, one of the things I think a lot of us are reckoning with is what kind of roommate we are, uh, right. if you will, <laughs> and what kind of roommates we have because we're just yeah. learning uh, a lot about the people we spend all our time with because we don't normally spend this much time with it. How has coexisting been for you?
0: Yeah, no, I feel, again, I feel very, very lucky. And I, my heart goes out to people who are in bad situations in that respect, you know, like yeah. uh, rocky relationships or difficult roommate situations, anything like that. It's like, I think that would be really hard. yeah um, For us, it's pretty smooth. I live with my partner, Katie Ward, who's mm-hmm. a, an artist and choreographer. And um, I'm telling the world that. I know you know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um... <laughs> Yeah, we have a pretty good uh a pretty good dynamic. We give each other lots of space, but we also enjoy our time together. But yeah, again, I just feel lucky. It makes me feel good about the the choices I've made and the way I've engineered my life to be, you know. Um
2: yeah. Yeah,
0: I feel blessed, well, you, if I may I, use I, the I, word.
2: Yes, you you can. I'll 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 maybe bleep it in case yeah. someone's offended. <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of atheists yeah. uh, who subscribe to the podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, it's one of the things that you're, you're, you've talked a lot about feeling fortunate. And yeah. uh, I am feel, I feel the same given at least one of the things I do with my life, which is make uh, an internet show, uh, yeah. a show that goes on the internet that I can pretty much make from anywhere. And as a musician, in a sense you are at least 50% of your life, I would think is making a record and getting it out into the world. Yeah. And thus far, it seems like we can still, still do that. But you talk about someone like Katie, who's an artist, um, and a choreographer, how I don't, and by the way, I'm not suggesting we invite her onto the show necessarily. I'd love to have, mm-hmm. I should. why someday Katie should be on the show. Would she like to be on the show?
0: I bet she would. I bet she'd
2: love to. Okay. Sometime we should do that. But, that's the thing I've been reckoning with, uh, partners uh, who where one is a musician or is someone who can do their internet work, but then the other partner is someone who's used to public performance or traveling to do mm-hmm. their work. How has Katie been doing? I don't want you to necessarily speak on her behalf, but how has that been for uh, Katie? Uh, to has she been able to, uh, you know, do some sort of internet version of her work, or has it been pretty quiet?
0: No, she has actually. Um, she she for a Sappy Fest actually she did something that was performed over Zoom. Uh, it was like a a score that she created that was the audience participates in the in the performance. Yeah, uh, and they did that during Sappy Fest as part of Sappy, so that was cool. Um, and then she's yeah she's got this uh, some collaborations going on like with. Uh, friends in the uh, in the Netherlands. So she and another performer from here are at one end, and the other people are at the other end. And they're using the projections and technology. It's not so much about the technology, but they're finding ways to use the technology to pursue their ideas.
2: Yeah, Which, yeah. Oh, that's you, good. You know,
0: that's all you can really do, right now.
2: Yeah, that's great I mean, to hear. You I mean, stagnate. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, yeah. As a musician seeing how music has been sort of called upon to uh, help people in this mm-hmm. time. I mean, like, when we first went under lockdown, I noticed that the first art form that was called upon to do live streams to remain as active as possible was music. So so many of our colleagues were were making... I think somewhat makeshift, you know, live stream videos and yeah. performances. Yeah. And and I thought that was sort of heartening. It almost felt like old folk music times where yeah. whatever's going on, someone can get an instrument and their voice and be present. How are you feeling as a musician about, you know, now we're well into this thing, a year almost into the, a year, we're a year into this particular way of life. Do you think yeah. this has been, I don't want to say good for music, but do you, Do you feel like music has been re I feel like music had been devalued for so long. Uh, And then I was momentarily, anyway, heartened that people were calling upon music and recognizing it as an art form that can sort of exist no matter what is going on, if you will. Like, unlike sports shut down and movies production shut down, but people could convey music and make records in their homes, like all sorts of... Like you, you know, you are not the only example of this. So I wondered, like, how do you feel about... Music sort of status uh, in the in the current moment, do you feel like it 's been i don't I guess I led you astray or led you into yeah how do you feel about it yeah
0: i don 't know if I have any big insights, I know that it hasn 't stopped being meaningful to me, you know, like that mm-hmm. I still crave new things and i 'm getting more out of old beloved things that you know and i 'm actually revisiting. A lot of stuff from my youth, like on my walks and stuff like that, and getting getting a lot of emotional value out of it. And and so I find that pretty inspiring in terms of encouraging me to keep doing my own things. If, if there's anybody yeah. out there who feels the way about what I do, <laughs> that I do about the things that I love, then uh, then there's absolutely a reason to do it. And so... Uh, I find that kind of encouraging, Yeah. but I don't know if, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I haven't done any live streaming actually, so I haven't felt that connection or that like, yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like I've been called upon <laughs> to do that yet, but when I, you know, th- there've been a few people who've suggested it and asked for it and th- that feels really nice and it will happen at some point. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like for me, like making the record was a way to keep keep active and keep it at the forefront. But I'm not really answering your question. I re- I know, but I'm,
2: <laughs> I'm asking you a kind of music biz yeah. question, I suppose, but it's also, yeah. I just mean that I really don't know about
0: the biz. I just know that yeah. for me, it's just as meaningful and, and you might be right, perhaps more so well, than it was before, because I have time to dig into it. And, and I suspect that that's true for a lot of other people too.
2: I think when we, sometimes when we cheer on an artist, uh We are cheering on the audacity they had to even think they could do that, uh, whatever their practice is. And then yeah. as they continue, we're, we're also not only cheering on their work, we're cheering on their perseverance, the fact that they persist in doing things. So
0: I feel that in a big way. Yeah.
2: So I feel like what I'm getting at maybe and, and maybe I've landed on it finally after all my rambling, but what I think is happening a little bit with this pandemic and in terms of music specifically is that yes, people, some people selfishly want music to come back for, um, maybe financial reasons or whatever. Like, you know, I mean, I'm talking about infrastructure people, maybe, you know, we need to get our venues back and I'm a booking agent and all these. And I get that part of it for sure. And I know as fans, people just want to be able to go to a show with their friends the way they used to. And I get all that. But what I'm saying is, part of what heartens me and is actually in my role kept me very busy. Like I can't keep up with all the records that are coming out and, but I'm not, that's really heartening that people are persisting and continuing to put things out into the world, even as most of the world has stopped. And I do, I do think that's that's a remarkable part of music making that I hope people are contemplating a bit more. Like, I, yeah. yeah,
0: but the flip side of that is that people are releasing and creating at a faster rate because they're not doing the post-release promotional work.
2: Flip side is that a With, negative?
0: Which, which if you, if you're no, no, that's not negative, oh. but it's more like um, that's that's one of the reasons why there's so much stuff happening. It's like not only are people releasing records but they're not touring behind them for two years afterwards well so like the people who made a record last year may well be firing up another one now and not only that there's people you know uh, finally who have time to invest uh, sort of like go through old hard drives and look old tapes and like release things that they uh that they always intended to revisit or like so yeah just, I'm just saying that the the influx is maybe due to a number of factors not only from the demand yeah. of, of the fans and the industry
2: your friend and yeah. mine Rick White is yeah. going through his archives he's got time to do it and there's definitely an interest like I've been ordering every piece of vinyl he puts out uh, mm-hmm. and, and re, you know reanimates I guess and uh, I, yeah. I find that stuff interesting because it's it's a sense of comfort and familiarity for me to have an old Eric's trip record in its new, uh, polished format because that yeah. that's part of my youth, but it's also like, yes, we persevere, we keep going and we, we value things and we have the time to actually, I have the time to actually listen to these records now. I mean, I should, in theory I should, Yeah, I guess. And I mean, Rick's
0: a great example. He's yeah. someone who's always been really inspiring in that way. He, he, he's an archivist by nature. He's like a, you know, yeah. He's a librarian and he takes all of these contributions really seriously and he treats them with care and maintains them and then eventually makes them available. He's not, he doesn't like just sit on them. He shares. Yeah.
2: Them. Yeah.
0: It's, it's really, it's really inspiring and, and touching what he does. Yeah. Actually. Yeah.
2: I agree. I want to, yeah. I want to take us down potentially a, a harder road. Uh, Oh, great. Cause I think it's been softballs up until now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> touring. I, I remember there was a, a lot of dialogue about self-care and musicians, mental health in the year or two leading up to, uh, the pandemic, the lockdown, the forced lockdown. Um, and I want your perspective on that. earlier, I described you as a road hog and, you know, we've talked about how we have time and we're valuing our time a bit more and, and all that stuff. But touring is a grind. And, yeah. um, I guess I want your take on it. I know it's a source of revenue. Uh, but at the same time, is there any part of you that is... Because I've talked to musicians who say, you know what, honestly, I'm relieved. We made a record. Mm-hmm. I'm Say I'm in the band Mets. And I don't think they said this, but I'm just going to cite an example. Mm-hmm. Say I'm in the band Mets and I put out a record and we just had a baby. Uh, if yeah. things were normal, Papa would go and make some money for the family but be away from the family for a year and a half, two years, and more or less destroying themselves on stage, uh, you know, every Mm -hmm. night. Is there any, so as that, again, totally hypothetical example, no one has said anything to me, I just am picking that as an example. Is there any part of you that is like, phew, I don't have to hit the road, and that is something for us to contemplate. Like, these lives that musicians lead on the road don't always end well. Um, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's long term. You don't realize how bad it is until you are done, you know, or something. Like, why the fuck mm-hmm. is my body all fucked up? Oh yeah, shit, <laughs> lugging all that gear. And, oh yeah, I sat in a van for 12 <laughs> yeah, hours yeah. A day so for the last twenty years, <laughs> exactly. That's why, that's so, is, is there any part of you th- that's why my bowel is twisted? <laughs> that's actually true. It's uh, true. Is there, a, is there yeah. any part of you that is like this? Is mildly a relief uh, to not have to do that mm. that cycle of album, touring, you know, writing, then album, then touring. Is there any part of you that's like relieved?
0: Kind of. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm a bit of a special case. I'm like, I go on tour because particularly when we're talking about my own music, like I go on tour because that's part of my artistic project. Yes. Like I don't, you know, it's not a source of revenue for me. It's like it's a it's a it's a worry you know it's like how are we gonna yeah mount the second half of this project we've made the record how are we gonna bring it to people and it's like can we break even can you know like i don't think of it as a source of revenue at all in fact i think that now that this is happening the relief is more financial it's like okay so we don't not only do we not have to do that we can't like it's not even on the table at the moment so right let's take that however many thousand dollars we were going to use, lose <laughs> and find some other way to yeah. use it to to see if we can fill that same void or bring it you know like find a way to share it with people that it's meaningful so one thing i've done is like um i assembled a small group of musicians and did a shoot in studio mm-hmm. uh, so we mm-hmm. took some of the, al- the album songs and it's not available yet it'll come out after the record's out but and we'll treat that like it won't be live, but it'll be sort of like a concert that you can attend. Oh, yeah. And so that's, you know, that's like costs a little bit of money, but probably about as much as I would have lost on a major tour, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, maybe
2: the, um, the maybe the subtext of what I'm asking is we're doing a lot of learning about what worked and what didn't work before. Efficiency-wise, yeah, I mean, economically, yeah. eco- ecologically even. Yeah, it's true. So that's what I'm kind of, and I, I hate, People kind of get, it's a, a dodgy subject with music because people yeah. love live music and I love mm-hmm. live music. If you know me and you do mm-hmm. and you follow me probably on all my social media crap, like I'm I do. usually two or three times a week, I'm going to, I was going to see a band or an artist yeah and I valued that. And it's how I also, that was my discovery is like, who's opening up for Mike Voistak? Oh, it's this artist I don't know. Uh, who are they? Yeah. I'm going to buy their record. And and that's all gone. Like that whole discovery part is a whole other kettle of fish. Uh, yeah. But um, all this to say, I guess I'm just getting at the re... Just evaluating what we used to do and what we could be doing going forward. Because my sense is, and, and certainly governments want us to just get back to normal. Drive the economy. Buy gas. Yeah. You know, go to... I would go to Toronto sometimes often by myself because I people my age were like I got I'm not I can't go see that band at least Palace Beach I'm sorry it's too late I have a twisted bowel I have a twisted bowel and, twisted bowel. Years of touring. Yeah. <laughs> and I would yeah. say okay well I guess and so yeah like a lot of just I mean I value those memories me- I remember the show I don't remember the gas I spent on it but the earth remembers the gas I spent on it if you know what I mean it it does. Can, Yeah.
3: yes I do so
2: that's what I'm saying like just I love music I love live music but We are in a zone where you can potentially, as you say, do stuff from your home city that could potentially accomplish some of the same objective. You know, like if you're if there's an annual I just did this over the Christmas holidays. There is an annual benefit event in Chicago that I've never attended. I've supported it financially in the past. But because of the mm-hmm. circumstances, they had to live stream it, and I was there. I felt like I was watching.
0: Oh yeah, I heard about. I I listened to the, to you talking about that.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I know.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are ways that we can gather that are that feel very different now. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> but they they maybe can fill some of that same void. Yeah, but um. Yeah, but I mean, I think any gr- you know, like any real music fan in uh, any medium or larger sized city can tell you all kinds of secret places where you can find all kinds of great music within the city limits that you're in yeah sure sure <laughs> sure, sure
2: sure um
0: and so maybe you know like maybe it's exciting that there could be a return to that yeah in a way uh, at the other end of all this you know like maybe going and seeing more local music and having those scenes be a little bit more celebrated i think we kind of like got away from this idea like there there seemed to be at least in like indie rock g- growing up and in punk rock when i was a kid there was always this idea like the further away you come from the better y- you must be as a band yes. you know so yeah like and so you'd you know i i was living in whatever moncton or ottawa at any of those times and and uh often the the local openers would be just as just as exciting as the traveling headliners you know definitely lots of instances where that wasn't true but there's a case to be made you know and uh yeah i think it's cool you can go see amazing musicians in your in your area <laughs> mm-hmm. hot singles in your area <laughs> you know uh, but yeah
2: <laughs> no i and i but that's i guess that's what i'm that's what i'm missing is seeing yeah. those you're right like the opening band I'm sure I'm I'm guilty of it. I'm sure I'm guilty of it. Uh, I want I'm paying to see so and so. They're playing in Toronto. I can't get there till after the opening band, and that's just the way it has yeah. to be. Uh, but then when I think about most of the people I love the most, I, I would there's probably a high percentage of them I saw opening for someone. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So uh, I, I did I did a little audit of my show last year. And I came to the conclusion that I had a lot of repeat guests because Mm -hmm. um, those are the ones who, they had new stuff out, but they're just the people I was the most familiar with. And uh, also there were just very few instances where it was someone I just, I hadn't seen live. Like even the one example I thought of was Nisa, who I had never interviewed before, but I loved seeing Mm -hmm. her live twice in 2018 and 19, I think it was and then mm-hmm. the record happened to be great but i wouldn't have even i would have given the record maybe less of a chance or or would, I would have been less excited to check it out if i hadn't seen her opening for yeah. fucked up or playing at sappy fest or whatever it was so i'm not i am not a proponent of of any like live music is done and that's fine it's the opposite on some level mm-hmm. but i do also think we are in a weird zone where we have nothing but time to think about how to do things in a way mm-hmm. that doesn't kill, uh, literally in yeah. some cases, like really destroy some of our greatest minds. I mean, I, I remember mm-hmm. when 2009 I interviewed David Berman and he said, I don't like touring because uh, it means I can't write uh, and it it takes right. away my yeah. ability to write because I'm they expect me to go on the road. Uh, I mean, he didn't do it, as you know, very much, but he did mm-hmm. make a point of saying, like, the reason I I never toured is because I forget who he quoted. It might have been it was another artist who's he he was quoting, saying, like, if you're on the road all the time, you're not gonna write. And I'm a songwriter. It's true. So yeah. so yeah. anyway, I again love live music, appreciate bands that that give it their all, but this moment has made yeah. me think. I bet some of my favorite musicians are in a healthier state. Uh, yeah, I mean the financial pressures are real, of course, but um, that. Well, I also, I
0: mean, I think there's something really cool about the this opportunity to reevaluate. Like it's exactly what you're saying, but like there were lots of things wrong with the way live music was happening be- right before this. Anyway, like yeah. nobody wants to go listen to three bands in a row. You know, yeah, on um, sort of like unacceptable volumes you know starting at 10 some, p.m. some dingy room standing up for four hours yeah you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah most people don't actually want to do that well the but that's and, and if they uh, you the, go see if when I go see a band it's like yeah. in spite of all the reasons why I, it's not what I would want to be doing with my time well the, the
2: people that want you to do that at 9 or 10 p.m. on a weeknight are the bars yeah and so that's where I'm like I always had a problem with that. Like, why can't we do this show at like 6 p.m.? Like, everyone can yeah. enjoy the same musical experience and then go home at a reasonable hour and get up at a reasonable yeah. hour. And I wasn't just saying this as a dad. I always, yeah. like, no, I I, mean, I tried to I've do... I've this
0: way since I was a teenager. It's yeah, like, why not have a show at 6 until 9 and then they can have a dance party and make money at the bar. And they also, make, now they make, when the bar would have been empty between 6 and 9, they can make that money too you know it's like
2: yeah but anytime i ever tried to do that sort of matinee thing people just didn't come uh particularly yeah, if know. they were in dry spots like dry venues and i was yeah. like wow it's just so associated with this behavior that people can't separate it like they i know Oh, you're just you know you're straight edge stick in the mud i'm like no like the point is the music like i don't Music, I just feel like was this weird sideshow. At the same time, it was the main event, and yeah. So I found I find this focus on music. Like, you can crack open a beer if you like while you're watching this live stream from your house. Yeah. But it's probably not going to be the same as partying with your friends. Like, I get the social part, but I also am there to see the band and the show. So I'm wrestling with that a little bit. Again, I sound like a jerk. Uh, who doesn't want to No, I'm I, <laughs> I hear you though. I'm i in the
0: same like for me that's like I miss the, the thing that I actually miss is the magic of a, an environment being filled with yeah. sound it's like a very physical yeah. like locational thing the volume it's like the yeah. environment yeah. Is, is altered by by what people are putting out into the air you know and that that's like pure magic to me and I don't That's the thing I miss. And so a live stream doesn't really give you that. You can still do lots of great artistic things and create a mood and communicate lots of ideas in a live stream, but it's a different art form. And I, yeah, I haven't adapted to it that well yet as a viewer or as a creator. Yeah, I think
2: the flip side of what I'm saying about music as an art form really being um, valued more, I think filmmaking will start to be valued more when people start being like, I can't handle... These rickety phone videos. I think that happened fairly quickly. Like I did, my family and I paid for a supposed Nisa live stream. It was a pre-recorded thing mm-hmm. shot at Lee's Palace, and it was shot beautifully. Mets did a similar thing. Those are the only two artists I'm going to reference on this show. By the way, it's just a contractual yeah. obligation <laughs> to only mention Metz and Nisa, but it just happens to be that's the case. I watched both. I paid and yeah. watched. I well yes i paid (laughs) and watched both these things with my family and they were made so well and so Mm -hmm. hyper produced when that was possible with the restrictions uh being what they were it was beautiful like it was like oh this is a film innovation now it's not simply Mm -hmm. presenting music like i don't know if you saw the mets one was jarring like it was very disorienting they did all these manic drone camera shots and cameras clearly oh, cool. taped onto guitar stock heads and uh it was very uh, uh it was very interesting and so, cool. so yeah what i'm saying is the presentation of everything is going to change and i think certain art forms are going to elevate and potentially we're going to learn things about uh what we don't want to do hopefully when we have some semblance of normalcy um yeah Anyway, this is all part of the album "Harmonize the I hope Moon." You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all anyone listening. Uh, you can hear more about this. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying you hope I'm right. Uh, by the way, that's yeah. Uh, that's I all do. I can say. Um, so you mentioned that uh, <laughs> you you have some plans to sort of get the word out about the record, involving some of the things maybe I just described: film, video. Is, is that's the case?
0: Yeah. yeah, we did something like that. We did a. a some of the album a selection of the album songs and it was very fun for me creatively because i actually for the first time in almost a year i was in a room with other musicians you know we were distance we were in a big made sure the space was big enough and we we were you know observing all the guidelines and everything but it was very cool to be in a room with other people and it was really fun to make this music that was made completely in isolation where I played all the instruments, did all the overdubs, did all the recording and the mixing and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it was this completely, I guess, isolated is the only word I can think of, experience making the record. And then all of a sudden to rearrange those songs with other musicians and get everyone, other people's input and have that have the instruments happening like concurrently in a room was actually yeah really huge for me. And I'm hoping that that excitement kind of translates and brings it to life.
2: I'm sure it will. I want to ask you a, a question that uh, could be a dumb one, or or uh, and Please. I know I know you're There's, not used to. There are no
0: stupid questions.
2: St- well, I was listening. I was thinking of the song. Uh, I believe it's "Time to Burn" that has more of a a, a full arrangement, if you will, more instruments. Yeah. among those songs that does. And so you're playing the drums as well. Yeah. Good job, first of all, if I might say. Uh, Thank I, you. I know it's not it's not necessarily your first instrument. Is that correct?
0: And yes, it's not even my instrument at all. <laughs> <laughs> You've done. I actually borrowed. Uh, I borrowed um, the snare drum from Steph Schneider. Oh, nice. Uh, and I had a couple of mallets, and it was actually just with, with my hands, like I had the, the kick drum and the snare drum, and I played with two mallets. Oh, okay. There you and go. Then, uh, yeah. And then I think there's a symbol on that tune too, which was actually done as an overdub because I only have two hands. Right. Yeah. I mean, and it, it was just yeah. It was, it's it was a pretty scrappy, punk ass way. To make the, f- the f- basically to create a f- the feeling of having drums on the song. <laughs>
2: well, no, I, I didn't. It's the, f- yeah. the, the curtain has been pulled back. I did not pick up on that scrappiness. Uh, uh, but my, oh, cool. my, my dumb question, yeah, my dumb question though, as I contemplate the drum kit I finally have the ability to have set up in my own home, which hasn't been the case for like 20 years, it's like every once in a while, I'm like, it would be fun to try to make something, you know write a song record something and and then i hear of people like you doing everything by themselves you know chad van galen these sorts of folks who just mm-hmm. play everything where do you begin on a song like time to burn do you have the guitar all figured out or do you start with that drum pattern you're talking about what makes the most sense uh
0: it's for, I would say pretty much for everything on this record it, like any extra instrument aside from the guitar and the voice is was an after, arrangement afterthought you know so with Time to Burn I can remember fairly clearly like just sort of it's you know mostly based around this one chord one chord really yeah right <laughs> I mean there are chord changes in the song but the you know the, the groove kind of happens around this one strummed kind of eerie open sounding vague chord yeah that I just found kind of hypnotic and enjoyed, and then that "time to burn" refrain started coming out, and yeah, I don't know. It, this it, it had kind of an eerie personality of its own. It does. It, had,
2: it does have that. So it hadn't come across before. So yeah, what so. you're saying is, in in that particular case, uh, and I know you've done this sort of stuff in the past where you've built a song from scratch yourself, but in that particular case, mm-hmm. it's your singing or I don't know what you did, what order, but you basically laid the guitar down first, which is interesting because I always assumed the temporal, the rhythmic instrument would be the bed so that the, mm-hmm. you, you're playing to that timing. But then sometimes as a drummer, I, as myself, I know that you will play the way you think the song is meant to be played, but then you'll notice that your colleagues are playing it at a slightly different tempo And you have to kind of react to to them, uh, whether it could be you're making the mistake, it could be they're making the mistake somehow, but the odds are it's you as the drummer, that they're playing to you. And so that's my thing is like, my thing is like, does it make, but it's it's in my mind, because I've only played in bands, I've never built a recording completely from scratch. In my mind, how you figure that out is a bit mystifying. Like what makes the most sense to lay the drums down? Or to lay the the other instrumentation. Now I'm just asking for music lessons. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> no.
0: but I mean, for me, like that one. That one is like these songs are clear where the the core of them, the bed track, if you will, is the guitar and often the voice. Yeah, and so and everything else is like was added after the fact and I mean it's definitely not the norm when you're like stacking a record you want to do like fundamental rhythm stuff that's right and then build up from that generally speaking but I mean rules were made to be broken and it's fun to fun to break the rules but for me I don't I mean it wouldn't have been possible to do it the other way around in this for this group of songs you know it just wouldn't have wouldn't have worked I would have run out of steam on the drums I, I would have wondered why I was doing what i was doing you know without having the song to play to
2: right exactly like daniel romano has this project ancient shapes yeah and every time i've talked to him about it i'm mystified he says he usually it's because he's been producing someone else's record or something and the drums already mic'd up so he Mm -hmm. just starts playing he says hits record starts playing drums and then figures out everything else on top of it yeah, later like he has no intention which is i think prince used to do stuff like that actually yeah. people used to it's very fascinating to me that that's yeah. and i so that's why i'm like getting a i'm uh, I'm I'm suffering from delusions that that's something i could do potentially right. and uh, i want to figure it out anyway sorry we can talk well, about I'm this i'm sure some other with dan week. he's like singing
0: <laughs> singing the song while he's playing the drums in his in his head you know he's like imagining it rolling no he out. claims
2: and, no he told me he wasn't he told oh, me wow. the lyrics come after it's all <laughs> that's great doesn't write them down like yeah. he, he could be exaggerating but yeah, it's interesting but I, mean, I just found that fascinating and i wondered as as yourself a solitary recordist sometimes yeah. you know that what do you do how do you begin where do you start you, you know, know and well, like
0: it's always different i mean this is basically a folk record so for me like yeah you know it's kind of like when you listen to like the songs of Leonard Cohen or something like that. You can't imagine that they went in and put down bass and drums first, and then he came in and added. Yeah, right. What, what, what he does on top of it, like the there. If there's a sort of a foundation, it's the guitar and the voice. So.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah. But, yeah I guess it's a,
0: but it's dif- different kinds of music play out differently. So.
2: Yeah, it might be depending yeah. on the primacy of. The primacy you place on the instruments even. like I think my instinct as a drummer is like, the drums are the most important, so they should come first, whereas... Well, if I was (laughs) able to sit down in a
0: drum kit and make something that I thought sounded like music or that was exciting to me at all, then there'd be no reason not to start that way, really. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right, exactly. But it's, it's, you know, I'm not a drummer and I don't claim to be, so it's like...
2: You're starting oh. with the you're starting with the tools you feel the most comfortable using, and then adding the less comfortable ones after. For <laughs> I guess flav- that's, that's flavor. another way of looking at it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But
0: I also think that like I don't really buy into like talent or skill when it comes to songwriting. You know, like I think that those it's it's really great to to master your instrument or to like go deep into learning about things, but also like being creative can happen at any stage in dabbling with an instrument. So yeah there's no reason why I couldn't write a song with just a floor Tom and a synthesizer and, you know, but I haven't yet.
2: Yeah. Well, I appreciate these insights and I appreciate you taking time to teach me how to record things, uh, from afar, <laughs> at least give me some advice. It it does mean a lot. Um, so Mike, uh, I want to direct people to wherever you want me to direct them to. If people want to learn more about you and harmonize the moon, this beautiful new album. Where in the world would you like to send them per se?
0: Hmm, that's a that's uh I guess there are a few places. I mean I have a website, that's probably a good place to start, and it's just my name dot uh, com. Um It's not then, M it's uh,
2: not M Y N A M E dot com, just no. so we're clear. It's not my Yes. Please?
0: No, it is yes. it's actually <laughs> my name spelled out. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah okay and uh yeah and obviously there's every you know all the different social media outlet places and um forward music group is a label that i collaborate with and um so any of those sites will tell you what you want to know or at least lead you to where you can find out what you want to know
2: i think you're uh you're uh, you're you're funny everywhere but you're very funny on twitter so i hope people follow you on twitter
0: Oh, that that means a lot. I hope so. I mean, I like to have fun. It's like I my brain works quickly, so it's just nice to have a little outlet for stupid <laughs> shit that comes
2: to mind. Yeah, it's like little observational <laughs> comedy-type tweets, I think, yeah. in some ways, and I yeah. think they're very funny and sometimes cool. profoundly insightful. So I hope people follow you on Twitter. Okay, well, I want to go out on a song, if possible, from Harmonize sure. the Moon, and I wonder if you can choose one and also... Maybe uh, tell us why you chose it.
0: Sure. Um, Let's see. Um, Let's do Bathed in Light. It's the second last song. And I just, I think it's like near the end of the record. So it might end up getting, you know getting less attention than some
2: others. Yeah. Deep, deeper. That's one reason. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Deep. That's the term. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. thanks, Record store nerd. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah. Uh, but also it's like, it kind of came from a bit of a different place. Like it kind of surprised me when it, when it happened to, to kind of come into existence. So, and I like that. So, yeah, why not
2: pick that one? I, there's no reason not to. I would say, all right, this is uh, "Bathed in Light" from uh, Harmonize the Moon. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for uh, being back on the show and for your time, as always. And I, I thank I just, you. Yeah, I wish you. The I best. love listening to the show. <laughs> Appreciate it. Are you going to listen to this one?
0: Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I might start and then bail. We'll see. We'll see how, how it
2: goes. <laughs> well, I thank you again for being on the show and best of luck with everything going forward.
0: Well, thank you, Vish. Yeah, maybe. Bathed in light, bathed
3: in light, bathed in light, bathed in light. Devoid of metaphor. Loud out in the open, it's obvious now. Bathed in life, bathed in
2: life. Do
3: me a favor, make it obscure. Make no mistake that I'll ever be sure. on the tip of your nose, a midnight intruder that the floodlights expose, bathed in light. Sparks that jump from the fire Errant tones That stray from the choir Bathed in light Bathed in light Running in circles Spinning in air A moment in time Bathed in light, bathed in light. Paint me a picture in mysterious.
2: Uh, that was very lovely to have Mike Feuerstack back back on the show. It's been a long time since Mike was on the show, and it was nice to catch up. Uh, for this, the 601st episode of Creative Control. I said that with a questioning lilt in my voice, but I think I've lost track of them. I think that's... that. that was, was that this one? The 601st episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've been looking for or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like uh, the Creative Control page on Facebook if you still use Facebook. You can also follow the show on Twitter, at vishcreative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram. Oh, things are happening on Instagram these days. I can't stop using Instagram. It's like I'm addicted to social media. But anyway, if you want to follow me on Instagram, and Twitter, you can at at vishkana, just my name, at vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com Control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this very podcast. Uh, $6 or more grants you access to exclusive content, audio content. is often stuff from my archives. Occasionally I'm trying to contemplate video things that maybe I can put up there and not anywhere else, but I haven't got to that too much yet, but there is a you know. I go into the archives. You know, Mike was frequently a guest on my old college radio show, the Vish Interracial Morning Show. And I recently just posted a 2011 interview I did for that show with uh, with Mark Maron. So if you like Mark Maron, it's like a 45 minute chat from 2011. You can see where his head was at ten years ago, uh, if you want. I don't know. That's an idea. Anyway. Oh, also, sorry, I was going to say one more thing. If you are interested in receiving a Creative Control T-shirt, message me on Patreon, and I will get you one while supplies last. Again, all that info, patreon.com slash creativecontrol. Thank you for considering supporting the show. Thanks again to uh, live at masseyhall.com, where you can watch beautifully captured concerts by great Canadian artists, and also to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Uh, Thanks as always to my uh, old friend, Jim Guthrie. Uh, He lets me use some music of his on the show. And you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode with me and uh, Mike there. I hope you enjoyed it. And thanks for subscribing to the podcast and and telling your friends about the show to check it out and listen to it. Uh, Just spreading the word about it, that really helps a lot. It means a lot. Thank you for everything that you do to support this show and I will talk to you very very soon. Bye for now.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.